Good morning. Try again. Good morning. There we are. Slowly, slowly got there, didn't we? Great to see you. My name's Matt. My privilege to speak this morning and continue in our summer series, which is a just different talks every week that we feel inspired to bring. And so if you'd like to turn in a Bible to Exodus 25, there are some Bibles on the side, maybe on your phone, Exodus 25. And as Helen said, the the devotionals this week, can I encourage all of you, if you're a member of this church, please do use the devotionals because it it will help you get into the teaching that that the eldership of this church believes, what we believe, and will help you. And it's drip, 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 trust, I trust, good theology, good teaching that will help you each day in a devotional fashion. So please do use that each day. There's a lot of materials out there of mixed value, but if you want to know what we believe as a church, please do use those devotionals, get into them, and I'm very open to feedback, of course, <clears throat> so that we can keep improving that, that um, resource. Because our, our passion for you is that we get, to, you get to, we get to know Jesus, that we have a deep relationship with him, amen? A deep relationship with him personally. And stuff like resources, like devotionals, will help you to read something worthwhile, to think about it, pray about it. And uh, so please do use that. So Exodus 25, my message today is entitled, Make a Sanctuary. Make a sanctuary. Make a house for God, you could say. So Exodus 25 verse 8 says, Then let them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Let them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. If you could have any home that you wanted, I wonder what it would be like. Would it be, raise your hand if your, your dream home would be different to the one you're in. Okay. Hands up if you're living in your dream home. Oh, some of you are already. Okay. I'm coming round. Can I stay? Dream home. I don't, Helen likes, you were watching a program yesterday, weren't you, Helen? About, what was it about, like, people who sell houses? Really, and there was a house in Monaco overlooking the bay. And these houses are like, what was it, 10, 13 million euros, this particular. There was houses in Mayfair with, like, thir- like, like 20 million pounds. It's ridiculous, isn't it? And uh, you've you got these kind of young people trying to sell these homes because they can make a massive commission. And you know the houses they have, uh, would you like a, a cinema room? Yeah, you'd like a cinema room. Okay, like a cinema room. Would you like a pool? So you could baptize people, I'm sure, that's why. That's the only reason. Massive kitchen, like with nice sort of top where you can sit and stalls and hang out and with an island in the middle what like with with like palm trees and things like so so big you've got like an island in the middle oh that sort of island an island in the middle a conservatory did you say conservatory that, yeah we've got a little conservatory a nice big greenhouse I like I, you know I quite like a, a big greenhouse that I didn't have to maintain because somehow it didn't need maintaining but some a nice greenhouse 
that you felt like as you were walking through, you could pray in the morning and it was like you were in a jungle setting. Wouldn't that be nice? Walking through this kind of like idyllic Eden in, in a greenhouse. That's my little dream. Um, I don't know what your dream house would be, you know. Loft conversion overlooking. Would a city or village? Yeah, countryside, town. Who said countryside? You said countryside. Yeah. Both? Like, like a tunnel between the two. Like it's a house in the city with a little train that goes underground to the countryside. You could have that, couldn't you? Just dig out. I'm sure your neighbours won't mind. What's that noise? Oh, it's Joel again. He's digging his tunnel to the countryside with a tent at the other end. Building a house. What kind of house would we want? And my lesson today is, we've just read from this. Let them make a sanctuary for me. So even God wants a house. I will dwell among them. God wants a house. And the lesson today, God wants to move us to give ourselves wholeheartedly to building his house, the church. God wants to move us to give ourselves wholeheartedly to building his house, the church. God chose to dwell among the people of Israel. He brought them out of Egypt, took them to Mount Zion, gave them, gave him the ten, gave them the Ten Commandments and the law, and then said, I want you to build a tabernacle for me, which is like a tent made out. And he, and he gave, if you've read, read through Exodus 20 onwards, you'll see all the very the details. You're to have um, hides of sea cows, whatever they are, and ramskins dyed red. You're to have pomegranates made of gold on top of the gold bases and the stands covered in gold to make an ark. You're to have a cover on the ark with a, an image of a statue of two seraphim, which are like angels over the ark. And he gave lots and lots of details of the size and the scale of this tent, this tabernacle that they were to carry with them through the desert. God said... And this is what he's saying here, let them build a sanctuary for me. This is build the tabernacle, build my tent, build my house. So that while you go through the desert, this is like a focal point. This tent, this massive tent, is like a place where I will dwell in a special way. You are my people and I dwell amongst you, he says to Israel, the people of Israel. And he says, he goes on in Exodus 26.30, Set up the tabernacle according to the plan I will show you on the mountain. So God's going to give them specific plans. 26, 31, he says, make a curtain of blue, purple, scarlet, yarn, finely twisted linen with cherubim woven into it by a skilled worker. Any of you could, could any of you, if I gave you some gold, scarlet, and purple yarn, could weave it together into a curtain with cherubim in? Any of you do that? Did you weave that? You made that? Just now, in the car, on the way here. 
Very good. Well, you see, we've got, a, we've got an illustration right here this morning. No cherubim on it, but there is some waves of the sea I'm seeing there. Is that waves of the sea? Yes, waves of the sea. And um, skill was involved. It required skills to build this, this amazingly intricate curtain. But the, all of the aspects of the tabernacle required skills and materials these curtains with these seraphim on. I'm not going to go into all the detail, but you, you can imagine. Imagine we're inside the tabernacle now. It will be covered in material, like a square box. And on that, it will be gold, purple, and scarlet. And there will be pictures of flying creatures with wings, angelic creatures, inside the tabernacle. As I understand it, you then would have had um, ram skins dyed red over that. And then on the outside of that, you would have had goat skin. So it would have looked very plain from the outside, just a goat skin. But from the inside, it's this, this heavenly vision with the Ark of the Covenant in there as well, which represents the presence of God. And as somebody once said, this is a wonderful illustration of Jesus. You see, Jesus was outwardly a normal human being, looked like nothing special. But he is from heaven. Glory. When you see through his outer manhood, as it were, he is from heaven. The son of God from heaven. So this tabernacle speaks of many things. But they were to build it according to this pattern. And the point being is this, that when God was trying to say by this seraphim that was inside, that you, you, this is the place where I dwell. These are physical things to point to the fact that I am here and angels are here. Like my reading at the beginning of the service. God is here with you. Be aware of this. Be reverent of his presence. Honor him as holy amongst you. You are his holy people. I'm dwelling here amongst you. And this is a picture. And we've got to see this picture as we're going to go along. Is that you had Israel with the tabernacle and the, um, the ark representing the people of God and God amongst them. Then when they entered the promised land, they built the temple and the people of God dwelt in the land, and God was amongst them. Now you have the church filling the earth, and God dwells amongst them. And then in the future, you're going to have the whole earth and the universe filled with the glory of God, as it was in creation, and the people of God are going to dwell with his people. And you see this escalation, this prophetic prefiguring at the beginning, growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. That's why we mustn't go backwards to building tents and temples, because that's going backwards. Going forward, we need a passion to build God's house where he dwells amongst us, as Israel were to do at that time. Moving on. And it says here that the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering you are to receive an, the offering for me from everyone whose heart 
prompts them to give. And this was about giving to building the tabernacle. You couldn't build a gold tabernacle. These, the, the, the various materials that were involved and the skills that were involved without a gift day, without people actually doing it. You could say, yeah, we want this tabernacle, but I can't be bothered to sew. Yeah, we want it, but I can't be bothered to give any gold or purple yarn or ramskins or whatever it might be. And it says here, who, everyone whose heart prompts them. And today, may God prompt us in our hearts by the Spirit to want to give towards building the house of God. And God does want to prompt you because it's his word and his word is to teach us and, and challenge us. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet, yarn, fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, fragrant incense, onyx stones, other gems to be mounted on the ephod, and breastplate. So even, the, even the, the, the clothing of the priests, which I could go into, I'm not going to, were to be, could only be made because people gave to make them. That's, so, so today we're talking about God wants to move our hearts. To be wholehearted, to give ourselves wholeheartedly to building his house, the church. And this Exodus 35, Moses includes these words. All who are skilled among you, all who are skilled among you, are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. So we're not making a tabernacle, we're not making a temple. This building is not a temple, it's a, it's a room to meet in. But we are building the church, and all who are skilled amongst us are to employ our gifts and skills as best we can. We can't do everything we want to do, of course, you know, but we've got to use our gifts together as a team. Think of it like a team. It's the Women's World Cup at the moment, isn't it? They've got to play as a team, right? If they don't play as a team, they play as individuals. You have a lot of individuals. Like keep-ups. Imagine one of them did that. I could do 100 keep-ups. Look at me doing keep-ups. You, you want keep-ups, are, don't you? I think that fell dead. Do you know what keep-ups are? Kick, kick, kick. Oh, that's the modern version, is it? Keep-ups are when you kick the ball and keep it up in the air. Okay? If you were a footballer, you don't do that on the field because you just, you may look just be a silly. You've got to play as a team, and it's true as a church, right? We play as a team. We play as a team. We've got to play our part in the team. Every one of us, if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be. So we see here, he says, all who are skilled. So we see there are materials, there's wealth, there's time, there's all sorts of things involved and skill. So money, materials, and skills are involved in building the house of God. Not just giving money, of course, but that is an important aspect. So we see that after building the tabernacle, they were called to then build the temple, which is another step on. An evolution of the tabernacle, isn't it? It's now in the land. 
It's now a solid structure. It's not moving around in the, in the wilderness. Likewise, they're to bring. And David talks about, you know, so King David, if you know King David, he killed Goliath. But he didn't just show his heart for God by killing Goliath. He showed his heart for God by giving to building the temple. And this is what he says. David said to the whole assembly, so it's like a similar situation, but now a few hundred years later, my son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. Okay? He's a leader, but he's young and inexperienced. The task is great, building the church. The task is great. Because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord. I hope we see that for the church. This this community is not for man. It's not principally for man, it's for God. To be a worshipping community who know him, serve him. With all my resources I have provided for the temple of my God. That's the king. So the king wasn't exempt. The king didn't just say to everybody, I'll tax you all to build this temple. No. The king, the leader of the nation, gave in an exemplary fashion to building the temple. He goes on. Besides in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold, silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I have provided. So he's given his personal wealth to build this. And then it goes on in 1 Chronicles 29. Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. So you see this, this hierarchy, don't you? The king is giving of his own treasures according to his kingly wealth. You have the leaders of families and the leaders within the nation are giving according to what they have. And then it goes down to the next layer. All the people gave freely. Everyone was involved in building not only the tabernacle, but also now the temple. The king gave generously. The leaders gave in an exemplary fashion. The people gave. All were involved. And the challenge for every one of us is, none of us, I I, I trust, are exempt from giving our time, our talents, and our treasures to building the local church. This may not be your local church, but you must have one. You must have one. You must have a place that you call your family, your church home, where you are sacrificially giving according to who you are, the gifts you have, the time, talents, and treasures that you have to give. God wants to move us to give wholeheartedly to building his house the church. Likewise, we, like those building for the tabernacle, like those giving for the temple, likewise, now we are to give generously. So 1 Corinthians three sixteen to 27, we read this. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? That 
God's spirit lives in you. Don't you know? You're God's temple if you're a Christian today. Or rather, you're, you as in you yourselves. He's talking about the community is God's temple. We tend to be, we, if we're not careful, we get very individualistic. I'm God's temple. Oh, I'm God's temple. Whereas it should be the other way around. It should be, we are God's temple. Wow, we are God's temple. Wow, my church. And the church in the world, don't get me wrong, the universal church, the church everywhere is God's temple. But it's got to be worked out in a local church, friends. Which means devotion, commitment, sacrifice, giving up things. Every one of us should be counting the cost in our time, talents, and treasures to build this house. Say, Matt, no, no, so it's not Matt. No, I trust. If you don't feel convinced from the word of God, don't listen to me. I, I I believe I'm speaking the truth from Scripture. I believe what I'm saying to you is God's word for you. I don't believe this is just Matt's big idea. I believe this is God's word as we're reading here. Don't you know yourselves are God's temple? The Spirit dwells in your midst. God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Going on, 1 Peter 2, 4-5. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You see that? You are individual living stones. You're born again, but God builds you in to a local church, to be a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In our day, God wants to dwell amongst us. We don't build physical temples. We don't build tabernacles. We don't build holy places. The carpet may have been cleaned. It's not holy. It's just a building. But don't you enjoy meeting? It's a great building, isn't it? It's great to be able to meet here, isn't it? Yeah, I hope you agree with me. It's a wonderful building. But you are more wonderful because you are the temple of the living God. Let's not forget who we are. So in response, God wants to move us to give wholeheartedly, give ourselves wholeheartedly to building his house. The church, because it is the place where he dwells by the Spirit. Let's allow God to move us to give wholeheartedly to building his house. We read in the Old Testament about a time when the people of God had gone into exile. They'd been taken out of Israel, taken into, into captivity, and they came back to the land and they were to rebuild the temple. And they got discouraged and they stopped. And then we read in the, in, the, in the book of Haggai, is it, and he talks about a misdirected zeal. So at the beginning I said, what house do you want, right? And we all, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with wanting a nice home. But it's, can I also add, it's good to want a good home so you can be hospitable and of service. It's really important to add that on, right? 
If you've got a nice home and you're not being hospitable and of service, you need to check your heart because it's for, not just for you, it's for service to people around you, this, this home. So, but he challenges them. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, what does God want to say to us today about that? What's the, what's the tone? What, 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 what passion of God is coming through these words here? Do you hear God's passion for his house? Do you believe with me that this is now to be applied to the local church? You can differ with me if you like, and we can talk about that another time. But I want to urge you, is it, you know, we can be caught up with our panelled housing to the detriment of building the local church. We need to be challenged. Give careful thought to your ways, says Haggai. Goes on. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains. Bring down timber. Build my house so that I will take pleasure in it and be honored. This is what Haggai says. God has a passion for his house. And his passion for his house is shown most clearly in the giving of his only son to die on the cross so that each of us can be cleansed, be made into living stones, and to be brought together as a community of God. God's zeal. See, God, God didn't, God, like David, you see, God wasn't exempt, was he? Oh, it's okay. You're asking me to give. What did God give? God gave his one and only son for the cause of building the local church, his people. The Son of God gave himself for the cause of building the local church. And then Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another, which is what we're talking about, isn't it? Having zeal for building the house of God. In his book, Lead Like It Matters. Craig Groeschel, interesting character. I, I, some of you may have um, watched a couple of his videos I put into one of my blogs last week. And um, he is doing, building, you know, building a great church and planting churches everywhere in America. But he talks in his book about levels he calls it third line crossing faith. Third line crossing faith. What does he mean by that? He says, level one faith is this. So this is us. Are we, I'm talking about, are we prepared to be sacrificially devoted to building the local church, right? And he says this. Level one faith is this. People believe in the, in the vision enough to benefit from it. Like the person who benefits from the service at their favorite restaurant, or exercises at the conveniently located gym. These church attenders are people with a constant consumer mindset. They come to church because they like it. It's easy. It feels good. It's convenient. They receive something from the ministry to them. 
that's what's important. So that's level one, isn't it? I go to church because I like it. It serves me. If, if the time isn't right or, or things aren't quite like I want it, then I'll just go somewhere else. Or I won't bother going at all because other things are more important on a Sunday now because I'm doing this instead, you know. I won't go to that or this or that and the other because I, I know I've got that television program I'm committed to and so on. That's level one faith. Level two, people believe in the vision enough to contribute comfortably. Uh, like the person who drops some change into a donation jar or participates in a neighborhood watch scheme. These are people with a consumer mindset but are ready to contribute as long as it's, as long as it's uh, easy. They're happy to help if it doesn't cost too much, doesn't take too much, doesn't interfere with their priorities. Level three. People believe in the vision enough to give their lives to it. These are the people who understand the vision and get it. They recognize their lives are not their own. They belong to Jesus. They exist to serve a greater cause than themselves. They find joy in sacrificial giving and fulfillment in selfless serving. They become part of a lunatic fringe, radically committed to seeking and saving the lost, making disciples of all people. They're willing to do whatever it takes to do what Jesus has asked them to do. They're all in, holding nothing back, bringing their all. They are part of the greatest cause on earth. They don't go to church. They are the church. That's what is required of us, friends. You are free not to do that. You are free to hold back. You are free. God gives you, but he also gives you his word. And he's challenging you today and me, all of us. Not just you, me as well. My heart goes astray from this, trust me. I regularly, you know, I regularly have bad motives and attitudes, trust me. This is why it's in, the, in his word, okay? So God challenged them. And, it's, and they listened to Haggai. He stirred the people. So the Lord stirred the spirit, it goes on, of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit, the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord God Almighty. May the Spirit stir us to give ourselves wholeheartedly and holistically all that we are to building our local church. We give, don't we, through our passionate praying. We give through our gifts and abilities. We give, probably most costly, through our time through our time. Just think about Phil here and the team. Just raise your hand if you, if you served at New Day. Right, right up, hand right up, come on. Don't be ashamed, don't be ashamed you served at New Day. Yes, it. You gave yourselves, and there are still tents here that we're putting away now. Right, you should have seen the amount of work these guys put in. The mud, the rain, and all that, but for the joy of serving young people. Did you appreciate it? Young people, do you appreciate it? Yeah? Good, yeah. A couple of thumbs up there. 
But that's just an example of the many, 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 many sacrificial things. The only way a church grows is through being, having a good number of people who are hands on deck, actually doing the work, giving the money, giving the time, giving the passion, giving the prayers. We cannot build it on people who turn up to just consume and have a good time. We need you involved. And the Spirit of God wants to stir you to give yourself to building his local church. We started by asking, didn't we, what kind of house would you like to live in? There's nothing wrong with wanting a nice home so that we can enjoy it, but also, more importantly, be hospitable. But do we have, a band's going to come up, do we have a vision for God's house? Is it being shown in our calendars and diaries? Is it being shown in our budgets? Is it being shown in our sewing, working, doing, packing up tents, packing down tents, driving a minibus, painting a wall, fixing things, meeting people, counseling people, praying with people, helping people, sharing our faith, being not just being in a community group, but loving your community group. Being involved in prayer. Using your gifts. Being on a rotor. Being on a serving team. May God stir all of us to give ourselves wholeheartedly. Do we have a vision, likewise, to build his house? Imagine if we allowed the Spirit of God to move every one of us. Imagine if. Imagine what this church would affect if every one of us were wholeheartedly devoted not just to Jesus, but to the people he loves and to his mission. Because the only way the mission's going to go out is if we are building that kind of community. So let's give ourselves wholeheartedly. Stand together to building his house, the church, because it's the place where he dwells by the Spirit. I leave it with you.